Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We are live in Studio 99, about an hour away from dropping the puck. My name is Reed Wilkins. Our Inside the Game analyst, Rob Brown, is here. Hello, Rob. Hello, Reed. And NHL legend, Ron Lowe. Hello, Ron. We're stretching it. Legend again. <laughs> well, we're really trying to sell this. Yeah, we're really trying, trying to, to build it up, Ron. Just go along with it, okay? Yeah. yeah. How are you doing? Good to see you again. Really good, man. Really good. Uh, I know one thing. My record after 11 games is better than Fierzy's. And I'm back uh, in two weeks, and Fierzy hasn't been back yet. I'm, I'm flying. <laughs> yeah, you're doing great. You're doing very well. Hey, uh, you know, it's great to get you on the show because you have such a unique perspective about goaltending and coaching and, and leadership and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, you as somebody behind the bench, I'm sure you're heartbroken for Todd McClellan, but yet you, you want Hitch to do a good job. You know, 5-2-1, and one, pretty good burst. Are you seeing anything technical, any, any massive changes yet under Hitch, or what are you looking at? Uh, you know what? Uh, I was never really called the technical coach, so we'll just leave that part of it alone. Uh, apparently, I was a player's coach, and that's where we'll go. Uh, no, I actually, I like what uh, Hitch has done. I think he's kind of swung away from man-on-man in uh, defensive zone. Looks like he's playing a little more zone. Um, he's also getting some pretty special goaltending out of Koskinen that uh, I'm not sure that uh, Todd got early on in the year. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that go into winning hockey games and uh, changes of coaches. I mean, everybody goes, well, you're winning 2-1, you're winning one nothing. Well, guess what? Uh, right now in this city at this point in time, that's how you're going to have to win. So what's the difference for a coach that comes in at the beginning of the season as opposed to a coach that comes in partway through a season. How much different is it for the coach that's coming in right like Hitch is right now, uh, preparing, being ready, what he can give to his players to teach, things like that? Well, I did it. I came in once uh, in the middle of the season for George Burnett. It was on the, the strike year, and uh, I think it was after like 20 games. They decided that they needed to do a ch- uh, coaching change but I was part of the equation already. I was an assistant coach, and I found that transition for me to be very easy. I mean, I, w- I was part of the coaching staff. With Hitch, it's a little different. You, you come in and uh, probably, I would imagine, I know, I know Hitch and I know Hitch's personality pretty well. I can pretty much imagine what he said. Uh, it's my way or the highway, and <laughs> let's get at it because your way hasn't been working. And that's a pretty easy transition for him as much as you would say it would be. But it's tough. I mean, I think he's uh, learned an awful... Hitch is a really smart coach, very smart guy. You don't get the record that he's got in the National Hockey League if you're... Uh, coach of uh, underachieving ways. So I, I think he's going to do fine with, uh, with the group he's got. I know he's trying to figure out ways to win, and it's hard. 
really hard. Uh, he likes to call this a one-goal division. And this year, he's probably right, with the exception of Calgary. There's not a whole lot of uh, things out there that happen at more than one or two goals a game. Yeah, 9-6, Calgary beat Columbus the other night in a game that Rob Brown considered low scoring. It was. That was a playoff game when I played. (laughs) That was a tight-checking Western Hockey League game. I think when I played with the Oilers, I think we had one 10-7 in Chicago one night. Playoff game. Awesome. (laughs) I I scored once. They scored the ninth goal to make it 9-2. Turned out to be the game winner. That's great. Well, that was in the NHL. That was in the NHL, yeah. Was that the game hit uh, Hextall chased you? He chased me. He didn't catch me. He chased me down the ice. No, it wasn't implying that he caught you. I wasn't faster faster than many people, but I could beat most goalies in a race. Not all of them. Most. (laughs) Ron Lowe joining us in Studio 99. We're getting you ready for the Oilers and the Wild coming up at 7 o'clock here on 6.30, Chet. Obviously, Connor McDavid is is playing a ton. He's he's second amongst forwards in ice time after Barkoff for for Florida. Actually, Hitch is so far using him even more than, than McClellan did. I mean, you would have had situations where you got the the leading players on your team, whether it was, you know, you know, Doug Wade obviously was around. How do you manage that ice time as a coach? How aware in-game are you of, of the minutes? Are, are you more going by the rhythm of a game and how a guy looks? By the, what goes into those decisions to really start ramping it up for a guy? Well, I think obviously you, you've got, uh, you've got uh, Connor in a situation where He's going to get an awful lot of ice time, first of all, in his power plays. And that's one big thing. But um, I think by far and away you've got, I consider him to be the best player in the league. I think he has to be on the ice and he has to get ice time, uh, throw him over the fourth line as a center iceman, great. I mean, it's another place where you get him away from the other team's uh, top two defensemen nine times out of ten. Um, I, I think I was I, I gave Dougie a lot of ice time. I gave Billy Guerin a lot of ice time. Uh, Jason Arnott got a lot also, but I think probably my teams that I coached were probably like Brownie just alluded to. Line one through line four like they didn't have the spread that line one through line four has right now on this hockey club. I played lots of times my third line. If I was mad at Dougie, they played first line minutes. And that's just the way it was because you could do it and it wasn't... First of all, you can't do something that's going to hurt your hockey club. You can't do it. And if it's going to help your hockey club, you play as the guy as much as you can. And I think... Every time Connor McDavid is on the ice, I think you have a situation where you back the other team off. Mm-hmm. I know in the game that he didn't play the other night, you take that 25 minutes and you go, wow, we were in our end a lot more than we've been <laughs> right. the last four or five games. So you can understand totally why Hitch is doing what he has to do. So what does Hitch do? And you being A, a former coach, and B, being a former goalie, the Edmontoners have been riding Koskinen because he's been playing so well. But they also have a guy, Cam Talbot, who uh, two years ago, more or less, took them to the playoffs. Cam didn't get off to as good a start as he needed to this year, so Koskinen has been getting the majority of the starts, but they need Cam. You, you, you need to have two goals, because Koskinen still is an unknown. He's played, what, 10, 11 games in the NHL. What can he do for 40, 50, 60? You don't know. So you need to get Cam to where he's got to be. Plays the other night, sensational. I thought he was the best player on the ice against the Blues. 
Now you got to decide. Now, how do you figure out when is the best time to put Cam back in? When do you go back to Koskinen? And what goes through the minds of the coaches? What what do you throw into your decision making to decide which guy starts in each of the next couple of games? You know, Brownie, that's uh, that's a really good question. It's one that uh, I probably kind of have a difficulty answering because I had Curtis for two years and I had no backup and it was like <laughs> I knew which whip I was going to and uh, I know I think there's no way that they can win here if they don't have uh, Talbot and Costin both going I don't think I think it's uh, really tough to play one guy in the west with the travel as bad as it is and the way it started off this year the travel schedule this team had was horrendous and maybe you look at Talbot's start and say, where, where were we? We were all over the world, back and forth, and back and forth across our country twice in the first uh, six weeks. Um, you can, I don't like to say fatigue can become a factor, but it sure as heck can, mm-hmm. especially when you start off with that European thing thrown in. I think you've got to have two goalies in, uh, in the West. I think you have to. Look at what Winnipeg's doing with Brassard. They say you're going to play every fourth game. Wow. Great for that kid. Mm -hmm. And great for Halibut. He knows he's going to play three and fourth one off. So I think there's room for two. And if both are playing good, sometimes you might want to ride one for four or five games. If he wins them all, you can always pop a guy in when you've played back-to-back. Oilers and Wild coming up at 7 o'clock. Ron Lowe joining us inside Studio 99. Okay, I'm going to throw a couple at you here. Obviously, uh, when you played in coaches, there was not... You were, you, you've coached 4-on-4 four four over time, obviously. It switched while you were still coaching, I believe, from 5-on-5 five five to 4-on-4. Four Probably, uh, I don't know. <laughs> he was thinking there. We didn't, His eyes we didn't were up. I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm just going to say that. Uh, we'll just go with that, Ron. Uh, shootouts. As a former goaltender... Like them, don't like them. What have you liked being in that situation where you played where so much comes down on, on you at the end of the game? And just to add to that question, I'll answer it as a coach and then answer it as a, as a goalie. As a coach, I absolutely detest a skills contest. I mean, I don't think the game should be decided on one-on-one skill when you're playing a team game. However watching the other night and uh, watching McDavid and Nugent Hopkins score their easy goals. I mean, let's face it, it's exciting. Mm -hmm. It's exciting for fans. The three-on-three is a tremendous idea. How would I have liked shootouts? Probably I wouldn't have liked them a bit because I hated breakaways. Uh, I had a huge five hole and everybody knew it. But no, like seriously, you just kind of... It's hard to wrap your head around a skills competition winning a game. But, geez, they do it in the Olympics, for God's sake. So I guess there is something to be said for it as much as I wouldn't like it. And um, as a goaltender, I guess if you're hot and you can basically watch the guys when they are and when they're not, when they're not, the shootout isn't fun. Yeah. (laughs) 
Well, it was a fun one. First one the Oilers wound up going to in eight overtime games. They, they were 5-2 and two in the games decided in the three-on-three. And now six and two in games after 60 minutes. But there's, I mean, like you said, Ron, it, it creates all those extra points too, right? You, you, you tie a game, both team leave, leaves with one. Now you can play pretty well, not get beat in those 65 minutes. So you get your one, but you know the other team, especially if it's in your division, they're leaving the rink with an extra point on you. And, and you as a coach wouldn't feel like you actually got beat that night. Well, no, I, I, like I said, the three on three is thrilling. Yes. I mean, it's... It's so much fun to watch, and for people that are sitting at home watching TVs, it's a fantastic, it's, it's a tremendous way. Uh, too bad we couldn't go 10 minutes of that to decide a game, but the schedules that you have in the West, schedules you have everywhere. Guys are trying to get back to playing, so I understand it, but um, there, there is merit to deciding that extra point. I know that for sure. It's uh, it's a great system to make sure that it's ended and somebody gets two points for it. How about the adjustment that a goalie has to make? So the other night, both Connor and RNH score unbelievable goals, but both goals that they score are on plays that they wouldn't be able to do in the regular part of the game because there's no way that RNH is going to be able to wait that long, that long, because if a defender is going to come back and get him, and even Connor McDavid, he's always going in on full speed. He's coming in so slow and waiting and waiting and waiting. And there's a goalie, you're, you're at the, the mercy of that player because now you're giving Connor McDavid all the time in the world to make the decision what he wants to do, whereas there's no def- no defender, no back checker coming on him. So is it tougher for a goalie when a player of that stature is coming in and can have more time to make the decision? Yeah, I would say it, it probably is, and yet you see some of the most skilled guys in the league aren't taking penalty shots for their or taking the the shots in overtime. Like it's it's kind of weird. Uh, Connor's record is less than stellar on on those, right? And you look at it, and you go, wow. Uh, it's crazy. To, to me, the, the reason it is, when, you, when you're being chased, it becomes instinctive. So if someone's chasing me and I'm on a breakaway, it's instinctive. So I'm not thinking what I'm going to do. Eventually, my body does it itself. If I'm coming from center ice and I have all the time in the world, now I'm thinking. So you're thinking, do I go high? Do I go low? Did I leave the lights on in the house? Is the stove on? What time am I supposed to be home at? So you've got all these things going through your head before you get to the goalie. So I think instinctively, it's much easier being chased. Unless you're, I mean, like what Connor and, and R&H did the other night, you can't do that if someone's chasing you. And you know what? What both of them did were, they were tremendous goals. I mean, yes. you look at it and you go, okay, both ringers, one off the post. So you sit there and go, geez, how do you stop that? Like dragging it, dragging yeah. it, and then throwing it back. I saw him do the same thing in a game at full speed yeah. so how easy is it for him to do it at, when he's at going the slow speed yeah. he's doing but yeah i mean it's uh, it's a tough it's a tough gig for goaltenders i do believe it's interesting you mentioned that not always the star players are the first three guys chosen i mean matt hendricks is in for minnesota tonight he often was one of the top three guys going for the yep. Oilers, and we were surprised when he first came here and then you look at his stats he was you know 40 45 percent with with other teams before he came to him and he used the same move every time the paralyzer. He used the same move every time, and he would still score almost half the time. So you're right. It's that good a move. It's that, it's that good a move. It's, it paralyzes the goaltender. Ron, it's always great to have you drop by in Studio 99. Thank you so much for coming. Uh, we're going to do this again, really, whether you want to or not. <laughs> oh, and, and Thanks for having me and back. Merry, again, Merry Christmas. Christmas yes. dinner tomorrow night at your house, yes, I hear. we're having Christmas dinner tomorrow night at my house. My daughter's headed off to New Zealand the next day. So it's early 
Christmas, and then I get to do it again in Manitoba in another two weeks. That's two turkeys. That's good. That is that's perfect. Good. <laughs>